Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. All right. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of The Drive, Las Vegas edition. All right, today I have a very special guest. I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous, Mr. Troy Shear. <laughs> thank you, sir. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Good, good to see, see you. you. Been well, a good sure. day, been a good day. Oh, it's been a great day. Uh, sun's coming down, it's getting a little cooler, but I, I love it. Hey, I like to kick off each of these meetings with a little origin story. Sure. Because I'm always super curious to find out how people got started in the business, right? It's probably for me more than anything. Sure. I'm always curious about it. So, Troy, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Well, it was kind of a, a fluke, actually. You know, I um, had a, my own marketing agency from 97 through 2017. Yeah. Did a little bit of auto here and there, some advertising and things like that. Had a chance to work with Lamborghini Houston in Dallas doing some PR. Mm-hmm. And then um, so happened that Binary Automotive Solutions came to us and were referred to us to do some marketing work for them, mm-hmm. did it and developed a relationship with the CEO and everybody else. He's like, hey, why don't you come join us? So it was one of those deals where just kind of <laughs> out of the blue, I'm like, hmm, just you know? Stumbled your way yeah, into it. Yeah, just kind of stumbled my <laughs> way into it, you know? But uh, it's been, you know, met some really wonderful people in the last, I've been doing this four years now, so yeah. some, some great people. Well, that's cool. I know we got a handful of topics we're going to jam about today. And I love the fact that you chose, you know, hiring as being one of them, you know, because I don't think it's talked about enough. And I think who you hire and how you hire them really sets the stage for what your company's culture is ultimately going to become. And it's just, I don't think we spend enough time really kind of thinking about it. You know, it's, I I hate it, hate to say it, but I think in our industry, we have a tendency of hiring uh, warm bodies. Uh, I've seen, you know, and it's the, the interesting thing, and I think sometimes that not just dealerships, I've seen this across the board, like I said, having, you know, a, a, a wide variety of industries that I've worked in, is that you forget that your people and yeah. the people you bring on are part of your marketing, they're part of your brand, everything that they do is, is building your brand. Yes. So when you don't hire the right people, it creates not only a potential for um, issues with customers, but also just internally within the company. If you've got, the, if you don't have people who are, are, have been based around a certain culture mm-hmm. and that you've developed your core values and you've, you've set those things in place from a leadership perspective, then you, that's when you end up hiring just the warm bodies because then you're just kind of trying to bring people on and go, okay, let's try this out where if you really have those core values set in place and you're living that on a day-to-day basis, yep. those are the things you hire to. Because you, you can teach people a lot of things. You can't teach you know, their, their habits and the, the way they do things. That is a, a life you know, that's built over a lifetime. That's not something that you do in a week. You go, no, no. I'm gonna bring them on, we're gonna change <laughs> it. It's kind of like the old thing, you know, when, when somebody you're, you're dating or whatever, and you think, oh, well, you know, if I just, if I get to them, I can fix them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's, that's definitely not the case, but we do see that happen on a regular basis. And I love the fact you bring up core values, right? Because I think, I think there's kind of some misconceptions and understanding of how to actually define and create your core values, you know? Um, I find a lot of times I'll sit down with the dealership and like, you know, they had a, a mission statement, 
created mm -hmm. 15 years ago. By the way, it's never been updated. All right. And core values that operationally they never really put in play. So it's just kind of become this plaque that just kind of sits on the wall. And that's the thing is once you develop those, and when I say develop, that's not even the right word. It's really about understanding from a leadership perspective yes. who you are. So in, in a situation of a dealership, what that dealer principle really needs to establish those core values of this is who I am. Yeah. Because ultimately the brand that you're building is the, the, the dealer principles personal brand. Yeah. And, it, and it's like if, if when you have those core values, now you start understanding these are the things that I will not negotiate on in terms of how I deal with my, you know, employees, with people, sure. all of those things. And so everybody has their own. So you, you, it, there may be situations where their their core values, I want to make, you know, the most money I can make and I'll do whatever I got to do. <laughs> well, then that's from a hiring perspective, if you bring somebody on who doesn't think that way, and is trying to do things a little bit differently and it has a slower process building relationships mm -hmm. and all those things, it's not going to work out. No. Because everybody's going to be unhappy. And which again, if there's unhappiness in, in the, the team, among the team, yep. it's going to reflect in, in whatever you do externally with your customers. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, it, you're hundred percent right. If we don't take that time to really kind of define out those core values, then how do we hire, we're not, we're ending up just hiring not the right people, right? So so walk me through that, like walk me through the process of you know how you'd recommend a dealership that may be watching or listening right now to develop out those core values or have the, the discussion, that strategy session. You know, it's, it's really an interesting kind of thing where you really have to start breaking down and work. I'll bring it back to, it's, it's very interesting. I um, had my son at a, a football camp. Yeah. Uh, with LaDainian Tomlinson last, last spring. That's exciting. And the, the thing that they had them do there, they, br they bring in the military, so they had the gunnery sergeant and all these, <laughs> and they had the 11 and 12 year old kids sit down together as a group and develop what the core, what they thought the core value should be for the camp. So everybody mm. was in included. I mean, it really, so that again too, when you have all of that inclusion, yes. especially if you're, you know, if you're a brand new dealership, it's one thing because you're just starting and you can kind of develop on your own, but if you've already been in business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you really need and haven't done something like that, you want to get the buy-in from everybody else. You want to kind of understand where are we right now? What do, what do these people think too? Because that is a great way for you as a as a general manager, dealer principal mm -hmm. to sit back and go, well, dang, this isn't what I was, you know, so you kind of get a better idea of what your team is thinking about, what their core values are and how they mesh. But that's really the key is to just get everybody together and start developing these things, you know, is it honesty? Is it discipline? You know, what are those things that, that you will not uh, negotiate on? Yeah. I and mean, look, three we, or four things. Is all, it doesn't have to it, be. Yeah, a, that's, that's a good point. It doesn't have to be a list of 12 or 20 different things. Right. I mean, look, we, we all know what we do. <laughs> we sell cars and we service those cars and we sell the parts to do it, you know, um, and we all know how we do it. Right, we know how we sell a car. We know how we service a car, but why we do it the way we do it, all right? That's Completely. where it gets real, mm -hmm. you know. And I don't feel like, as an industry, you know, that we're overly good about taking that time to have that meeting and say, so, okay, why do we deliver a car that way? Like, why do we do it that way? Complete, and that's what's tough is too. And I understand that. You know, in the in the dealership world, I mean, it's you know you're going constantly. You don't have time to pull everybody off of the, 
you know, so that is a situation there too, where maybe mm -hmm. you take some of your um, kind of, you, you, you could kind of start to tell who the leaders are among your, your group and yep. at least start there and kind of then let them work down with their teams and build back up. So that again, because you don't want to leave people out to the point where they feel like this is being driven down on them. Yep. It's it's a situation where, like I said, because once once a dealership is in place and you've got employees and things there, you, you can't just start and say, okay, here I'm gonna do it exactly this this is me, <laughs> you know. And so everybody now as you start hiring, you can do that. But once you've got people in, you've got to take the time to understand you know, what's important to them and, and, and make them feel a part of what you're doing. Because when you get that buy-in, and this is something I've seen over the years, like I said, no matter what kind of teams I've been working with, when you start getting team buy-in, yes. everybody's there, they don't think like, well, I, I contribute to this. <coughs> and it's like all of a sudden, if your team, and now we see our core values have been contributed by, you know, mm -hmm. Steve and Jennifer and who, you know, it's like, wow, this is, I got to be part of this and really build it. So then you want to start living. Well, the team gets to take ownership of it 100%. So, and, and when they like, own it, they want to live it. it might, yeah, 100%. My, my, my Mitsubishi dealership, you know, we went, we went through this process. And um, it took us a little while. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, going, you know, discussing, well, what we do and how we do it. And then, you know, trying to figure out why we do it the way we do it. What really what it came down to is that we wanted to be we wanted to be innovative and hassle free. Mm -hmm. All right, we just felt at a core like that was going to be our company's core direction and core values is that anything and everything that we did was 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 innovative and hassle free. Mm -hmm. So that meant everything. It was this was a really cool project. So once we had these two pillars, right, mm -hmm. and you could have three, you could have four. I would yeah, say no, probably I would say don't. No, I probably no say no more. Four. I would yeah. say no more than four because then it just gets it gets too. Well, then much. becomes a list. It's it not really values. It's just 100%. a list of. Okay, we can check, 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 and. Exactly. So we had these two value. We had these two cores, the two pillars. All right, and we'd have to go through every single process within our dealership, and ask ourselves. You know, is this process reflective to our core pillars? Which, you know, is it hassle-free and is it innovative? Mm -hmm. And it could be something as simple as how we did a meet and greet, all right? How we presented payments, how we check someone in for service, how we answered the phone, mm -hmm. all right? But, and, and the cool thing is, then it was actually fun documenting the process, right? I gotta understand. Like, <laughs> oh, completely. Once once you get into it and you realize and you see that, wow, this, you know, because you hear people talk about it and it's, it really is until you sit down and start go walking through the process and bringing people and getting them involved. Yeah. And like I said, getting the feedback and, and working together and narrowing it down because you may start out and that's, like I said, what was funny with, with these kids, you know, you started out with, you know, 15 or 20 different ideas of this is what core value should be for this particular camp yes and as they did it then they would they would massage it down and you know is this really mm -hmm. and, and by the time they were done they narrowed it down to three you know and like i said if, if 11 and 12 year olds can do it surely they <laughs> as although I, well, but i'll tell you why here's i actually have a theory why as an industry we don't take the time to do this because we don't necessarily believe that there's roi behind the time spent to do so or it feels to them to be more fluff, right? But like when you take the approach like like we did at my dealership was, you know, no, we had the two pillars and then we documented every process and just simply asked ourselves, how is this process holding up to those two pillars? Your North right? Stars. Yes, exactly. You know, 
and the idea behind those core values was with the intent to make money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Like there, there was, it wasn't like a not non-for-profit. <laughs> and I think, like you said, that's the key is, is people start thinking it's, it's fluff. Well, you start talking, cause it's kind of, you know, ethereal stuff. It's not yeah. you know, hard numbers and all yeah. these kind of things. When it's, you know, you, you realize, and you know, I've, I've, I've watched uh, Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's one of the things he talks about. You're like, wow, you, I hear you talk about all this empathy and this and treating people and taking care of your employee and all this stuff. He goes like, believe me. He goes, that's not all unicorns and rainbows. He goes, I'm, yeah. I'm doing it because there is value in it. Yes. And he goes, there, when you see it, no, the ROI is not gonna come. If, if you work on this, we're in October now. So you work yeah. on it in October, that doesn't mean the first week in November that well, you're going to see a, a, a I, massive... I think you can start seeing immediate changes, right? Like, I'll give changes, you, I'll, like, I'll, I'll give you for an example. Of... Like, um, all right, the way my parts department answer the phone. Mm-hmm. All right, how, how does 99.9% of parts departments out there answer the phone? Parts, please hold. <laughs> Usually just please hold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold, one word. Yeah. Hold, just that's it, and then you get it to down, right? And so that was, that was simple. I was like, you know what? Yeah, no, that is definitely not innovative. That is definitely not hassle-free, right? So as we started to play with that process, and really what it was, it, was, it became kind of a time thing. Parts was so busy all the time. So then we had to start actually start moving people around so that, that someone was able to answer the phone mm-hmm. right, and did have the time to actually answer the phone, all right? And you know, not the not the abrupt. Oh, what do you want? What do you what do you call me for? Why 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 right now? You know, and we did start seeing some immediate ROI on that. We started to actually see our over the counter sales actually start to go up. Well, and it, you, you hit a key point there. It's putting the right person in the right place. Yeah. Because again, when you start looking from a team, it's just like you know, I'm a football guy, so I'm always using the football analogies. But it's like, you know, if you put a lineman in the quarterback spot, you're not going to have very good results. No. You know, and, and so that in the same situation, man, that, that might be the best parts guy in terms of doing what they do or the service department or whatever, the oh, best 100%. mechanic in the world, but that doesn't mean you have them the one answer, the <laughs> be, being the first touch. The one doing it, no. So I think, and that's where you, you start talking about hiring again. It's like yes. if, if you know what the skill sets are for the certain places that you need or the people you need, Okay, well, I know what I need to be that person who's answering the phone. Yeah, to be a, a, a warm and encouraging voice and somebody well, that's that's there no, to build it, up. It, the... it definitely gave us direction of who we're going to hire, right? You know, we sit down and you know we interviewed a salesperson or a sales manager from another dealership, and they had a very specific way of desking a deal and uh, or doing an appraisal. And, and there's no way you were ever going to get them to do anything else. I'm like, well, sorry, man. That's that is de- I understand that works for you, and that has brought you success in the past. That's not really hassle-free. Like that actually sounds like you're more or less hassling the mm-hmm. customer into a deal. <laughs> you know, so it did. It gave us direction on who to hire and who not to hire. Well, it's like I said, the the things that you've got to do because of that, and you have the right people in the right place. You, you build that cohesion with the team. Yes, yes, and, team, and, right? And, and you once you've got that and you've got a goal and you have those those pillars and those core values and everybody's working towards those things and that create, you know, and again, happy people work better. And if everybody understand, and you understand your role 
in, in what's going on and you don't feel like you're having to be six things to six different people, yep. you can do a much better job. And that translates, I don't care what anybody says, when you keep customers happy, happy customers keep coming back, they refer. But those are the things that, that make them happy. And like you said, if, if you're hassle-free, if that's what you're living on, then you, that, that better, because all it takes is that one time that you're not hassle-free to somebody. Yep. And you've blown that, because it's oh. it's also part of building that brand. Well, if, if that's your, your brand image is that, it only takes one time to, you know, you... you well, the, <laughs> I, think, I think the coolest thing was it started to empower the team, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, they could answer a lot of their own questions. Like, what do I do in this situation? Well, is there a way for you to make it innovative and hassle-free? That's exactly what you should do, right? Okay, so is there an innovative way I could deliver the vehicle? Is there an innovative way that I can handle this customer problem? Is there a way that I can remove the hassle or whatever is going on there, mm -hmm. right? And it's just like, not going to hit both pillars all the time. But the, but, the goal but is that within, it, it empowered the team and it started creating the team. Have you seen, you've seen examples of that, haven't you? Oh, completely. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it's it's one of those situations where they're not going to hit it all of the time. But it's you're, you're working and you're narrowing your focus. Yeah. When you yes. narrow oh, that yeah. focus, it's like, okay, this is what I'm, I, I've got a, a place to look at when I'm making decisions now. Yeah. And it makes it a whole lot of, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you go in the grocery store and you have 80 million different choices to make and you're confused. The, the more you can narrow and keep things down, and I know this is the, the, the mindset and the space that I need to be in when I'm thinking about this, it makes it easier for them. Oh, it makes it easier. It but, also makes it fun. Yeah, because now you've got this, yes. it, it builds you up to like, okay, I've got, now you've got a challenge. Okay, well, how do I make, how does this work? Yeah. Or if it doesn't work, how do I fix it to, to fit, oh, yeah. or hey, this just this idea is not going to match with what we're doing, so you let it. You well, and, and you actually go faster because mm -hmm. of that, right? So instead instead of wondering how to do it or guessing or trying to figure it out, it's just like, okay, well, let's come up with an idea. Does that fit the two pillars? Yes. Okay, cool. Let's let's put that into play, but let's make sure there are some measurable elements behind it so we can actually see mm -hmm. the efficiency of it. All right, and then. Nope, that didn't work. Let's try it again. And you just kind of keep trying to keep trying. I mean, I'll give you an example real quick. I um, um, I absolutely hate the way that traditionally we have always presented payments to a, to a customer. I mean, I think it's really one of the worst experience that, that a customer can have. Like, you know, let me come into the dealership. I'm so jacked and excited. I just got off this test drive, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, this is so exciting. You know, and sit me at a desk. Make me fill out a, a worksheet. God, mm -hmm. that sounds like a great thing. Right. All right. Then the salesperson is going to take that worksheet. It's going to disappear into this abyss that's called the sales manager's office. All right. Where God knows what's going on and who knows what the hell is being said. Right. And they come out with some chicken scratch. Uh, that, that you don't, yeah, you're like, what? And you have very little or no explanation of how we actually generated the, the payments. So look, some dealerships are better than others. But I'm just saying in general, right? You know, and then that's that's what it is. I'm like, there's no way to do that. So, you know, we pushed, I think we went through almost 13 variations of what we called the payment presentation mm -hmm. until we came to the, the final thing, which we actually removed the desk. We went with round kitchen tables. Um, there were no phones in the area we actually stopped calling them offices and we started calling them product pods because it sounds innovative mm -hmm. i want to go to a product pod that sounds great right and the only thing in there was a table and a 50 inch tv mounted on the wall right and we built the payment in front of them 
so that they can see what was going on and how it was being done. You know, but it didn't happen overnight to your point. 13 different variations of that right. until we actually got it down the way we wanted it. But, but those two pillars. What? But what were the results of it once you got it in place? Oh, dude, I'll tell you, this is one of the funniest, funniest things. Okay, so I had, a, I had an older sales team, right? So technology, it took me a little bit longer to get them to embrace it. Not that they would, it just took me a bit longer, mm -hmm. right? So I would say a good chunk of my sales team were not very uh, proficient uh, uh, keyboardist, right? <laughs> you know, just typing things out and stuff like that's not really their jam. So, you know, they did one finger in a lot, <laughs> one finger. <laughs> okay. So we ended up seeing what's happened is that, you know, these other sales guys, well, here, why don't you go ahead and do it? You know, and then customers were excited. Like, you know, this is all on the screen. It's all wireless. Mm -hmm. It's big. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Right. And this is how the customer start inputting the information and going through the process. Right. And this was completely unexpected. It was not intentional at all. But what we ended up finding out was we did very, very little discounting because what ended up happening was is the customer built the payment, not us. So it's like, how do you argue or how do you negotiate with, with something to, that <laughs> you were the one that generated? We didn't generate the thing. So it was actually a beautiful thing. It was actually really, really fun. But well, and like you said there, that, that brings the customer um, where you engage them too. Yes. Because now they're not just sitting there watching you do this or you know, it, it creates that engagement. Oh yeah. And Especially it's like, the, I think the kitchen tables do the best because you're side by side. You know? The the, the less barriers you can put and it just, I mean, it's like, you know, whenever everybody's sitting together, it, it, it creates more of a conversation mm -hmm. versus I'm sitting here telling you and it, you, you almost feel like, I know at least the, the last time that I've bought a car at a dealership it's kind of almost like they're sitting there you know way yeah <laughs> here's how yep. they, and it's like <laughs> this is not fun and, and the thing is like you said it makes it when it's engaging and fun now you feel like oh man when we go back i want to go back to that place and buy a car because well, it gets it gets it gets it gets the team involved in it right and maybe it becomes it becomes a team thing you know which um you know goes into the kind of that that you know the overall experience, which I think then, you know, that experience is a big part of, you know, the lifetime value to the customer, mm -hmm. right? Like, here's the thing, like, as, as humans, we just collect experiences. Absolutely. That's, we share them, we talk about good or bad, we just collect them, right? So I know you got some thoughts on like the lifetime value of a customer. Like, when you say, when you hear that, I think most people when they hear it, they, you know, they think, you know, okay, this is what, how much money I get versus, you know, what's the potential of increasing, you know, my my referrals, anything else. So what do you, what, what do oh, you think Oh, completely, and that's what, and you have to think about it, and that's one of the things that I've seen in some of the, the dealerships that I've been in, either as a customer or vice, mm -hmm. you know, just from, from the vendor side here, but are you a transactional dealership or are you a relational dealership? Yes. And I think if you're a transactional relationship, you're going to have a very hard time building life a customer and it's going to be very you know your your return on that cost of acquisition is going to be much smaller because you're trying to churn and go to the next thing and it's just churning you know we don't think about all of the um the people that have purchased and what are they, what they're going through and how do you develop yeah. that and i mean just think about i'll use myself as an example i mean i just had a, a dealership that i had an amazing experience with mm -hmm back in, in the Dallas area. And that's where I'm telling everybody, hey, go, their, their service was quick. The service uh, attendant that I worked with was yeah. awesome. Did everything I needed, kept me appraised of what's going on. And it's like, 
when you have that and you feel like they actually care about your time, I, and I think that's one of the huge things that when you, know, you talk about hassle-free and all of that, I think one of the biggest things that any dealership can do when they look at this, and this is, again, this is personal opinion, don't have any yeah. data to back it up, but respect your customer's time. Oh, for because sure. Because if you do that and find ways to make things faster for them, to get, because the, that's what, like I said, the last time I was in dealership, I mean, it was like a six hour ordeal. <laughs> and I'm like, this can't, Which, it, it can't take that long. Well, it, it does well, you know what? Uh, you don't want it to take that long. No. See, I think that's what's key, right? I think what it is, is that as an industry, we have focused a lot on a buying process, not a purchase process, all right? And, and what I mean by that is like, when I go to Best Buy, all right, there are usually two to three purchase options. I can buy it online, have it sent to me. Mm -hmm. I can buy it and go pick it up in the store. I can reserve it so that it's there when I get there, right? Go are in, you, touch you, it, yeah. feel it. Oh yeah, this is this is what I want. So, so they went away from just a singular buying option to then saying, well, how does the customer want to purchase? And we can do the exact same thing. Because the thing is, is there are those those same things that you talked about there. Mm -hmm. They're like, because again, for me, I'll, I'll just, you know, be real honest. Get me online. Let me see what I want. I'll get the, you know, payments, whatever things I need. Yeah. Drop it at my... <laughs> Drop it at my door. Well, and, and, and there and, are people that are 100% like that, you know? And then, you know, I would like to do, I would say probably 92% of it. Like, I want the financing done. I want, all right, I, I want all the negotiations. So I want it all done. Mm -hmm. And then really when, it's, when, when I'm coming in, it's because I just want to experience the vehicle. And I'm pretty, like, unless there's some crazy reason that is just not what I was looking for, then it's like, okay, fine, I'll walk away from it. But I think you brought up a really, really good point there in those kind of four categories, because that's really the ways that you we we have been conditioned. I'm not sure what the right word is, but yeah. as people, there are really those four types of buyers. Yeah. In everything, it's like that's kind of how we see things now. So I think dealerships need to look at you know how do we work with those four person. I mean, personality types is what it is. Well, they see that's perch. That's a purchasing process. Mm -hmm. Right, I mean, like I remember when I first bought my first car, um, dude, I was anxious. I was like nervous. Like I legitimately wanted, I was good taking six hours mm -hmm. and being walked through every single thing meticulously because that helped my confidence mm -hmm. in making this, at that time, a very large purchase, or largest purchase I've ever made, you know, for, for being a first time buyer, right? Um, so the key is know your customer. Well, see, that's what it is. That's what it is. And, and I think that opens up so many doors and opportunities. Let's try, I know we've touched on some great topics and we're, ju we're just getting towards the tail end right now. But before I let you, before I let you go, uh, for everybody out there that's been watching, listening, and you know, listening and consuming these, these good stories and strategies that we've come up with, and for anybody out there that would like to connect with you, maybe continue the conversation, what's the best way to do so? Well, you can always find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> You know, that's that's not too hard to find there. Um, uh, email address is, uh, you know, is T Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R, at Binary Auto, B-I-N-A-R-Y-A-U-T-O dot com. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, it's like, I'll tell you what, I probably, if, if somebody reaches out to me 
on LinkedIn or, or, or whatever, I, I will say one thing. I will respond to you. If, if I don't, I always tell, if I don't respond to you within, generally within 24 hours, uh, check the local hospital because that's probably where I am or, or at the, because that's, is my big thing. Like it's, it's developing these relationships and making, because each one of us can bring something to the table. And I think that's the key. And I, like we talked about with hiring and all that is sure. finding people who can bring things to the table collectively and, um, and, and build that team. Because, you know, as, as I've gotten, like I said, this is only, I've only been doing this for about four years, but it, it could be really fun. A hundred percent. So that's if, why I encourage all, everybody out there that's watching, listening, you gotta connect with this guy. He's are super cool. Bro, thank you so much. I for appreciate this, it, man. This, this was, this was great. I was, I, when, you, when you got a hold of me, it's like, man, this is the one thing I'm looking forward to. <laughs> if, if nothing else great happens in Vegas, I know this would be awesome, so. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Jason.